would actually be super great. So in this first uh, section back, if you guys look at sex, lies, and truth, yeah, part two, I would love four volunteers to just read one of those verses out loud. So who will take 1 Corinthians 6, 18? Thank you. You can just get it on your phone. That also is just fine. Uh, James 1, 21. Right here. Okay, wait. I got James 1. You can take 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. And then who will do Colossians 3, 5? Oh, great. Right there. Thank you. All right. So 1 Corinthians 6, 18. So this is, we're starting with the heading of Pathways to freedom. So this is lust and porn. We're gonna, those are actually meshed together now. So how can we get free? And I don't, you may always struggle, like I said, with lust. We don't always have to be in the sin cycle of pornography. And God may break you free from lust. I don't know. Maybe I should stop saying that. I just am like, I think that's usually a thing that is often, but, uh, but to always have to be in the sin cycle. So I just want us to hear some of the language that God talks about, not when it just comes to same-sex stuff. We can, the world can get, Christian evangelical world can get really anxious and about same-sex relationships, but we can get real chill about heterosexual pornography addiction. So let's just listen to how God talks about sexual sin across the board. All right, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, nice and loud. Thank you. Flee. All right, thank you. James 1.21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your life and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Okay, now this is going to sound intense. We're like, man, flee, abstain. So this is in, which is good, that's the point, but this is in the context of God loves you. He wants you to push back the darkness and usher in the light. He, has a good, he wants to show the world through your singleness or your marriage how much he crazy loves them. And his rules are really because he made the world. And so like the manufacturer, which we're not manufactured things, but of like we just had to get our dishwasher fixed. And like the manufacturer knows how we should use the dishwasher and specifically that we were actually supposed to like clean out the trap in the bottom of the dishwasher. Did you know that? We did not. So we bought one a year and a half ago and then it promptly broke. So we had to buy another one. And the warranty only lasted a year. It was very annoying. But I could be like, well, I don't like doing that because it's gross and I know better. Or I could just listen to the stinking manufacturer who made it and just do it. So we're not dishwashers. We're human. We're Mago Day. And God knows how we can flourish the best. So these are really, hey, guys, I want you to flourish with me. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Okay. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Thank you. Colossians 3.5. Thank you. I mean, greed, we don't talk about that tons, do we? We got to put that one to death, too. Anyway, that's another talk. Um, so if you would say, is God serious about sin in general or not serious? So let's just, we'll, let's just, let's just acknowledge that. Okay.
So, practical pathways to freedom. Is God calling you to go screen free? I know, I know, but I need it because I do, I need it. And some people, I get it. Practically, you need your smartphone for XYZ thing, but I'm just going to ask, do you really need it? Could you share a laptop with somebody? Could you get a dumb phone? My husband did that, and that was not the Savior for him. The Savior was the Savior in understanding the deeper needs beneath his desires, his wants. But I'll tell you what, getting rid of all screens was real helpful for him. He got a dumb phone, and then he, like, loved it so much, I got a flip phone. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, my brain. <laughs> it works. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I hear you, and when I offer this idea to clients, I hear all sorts of pushback. I'm just saying, do you really need it? Yeah. Just ask the Lord. And then here's what I will say. This situation right here, Hebrews 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different than from what others experience, that God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. What's the way out, guys? You are not a victim to sin. You have the spirit of the living God in you. If you have, if you surrender, confess your life to Jesus, I remember being in the I'm just getting real, real here, guys. You're getting all the stories. Okay. I remember being in the car with my girlfriend, and I was like, I knew God was like, get out. Now, the Holy Spirit's not loud, usually. It's like real quiet. Get out, Lori. And I was like, I can't. It's like, put your hand on the door. I was like, but it's too hard. You know, like that hazy, like temptation Satan spell, right? And you're like, I definitely can't ever not ever follow Jesus. And it was, <laughs> I was like, okay, put my hand on the door. Open door. Walk out. And as I walked, the more I walked away from it, there was like a bucket of cold water over me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. <laughs> you have the power to do that, not in yourself, because of the Spirit. So even if you're like, Lori, I 10 out of 10, I am an ER doctor who has to scan people on my personal phone. <laughs> I have to have this device. Somehow you definitely do. Then ask the Lord, where's the door? Where's the exit, God? How can I walk away from this? And if you are unwilling to give some things up, then I don't know if you really do want to give it up. Count the cost, guys, and then count the joy. Matt had no idea. Like, I'm not even kidding. He's a totally different person. I always knew that that character was in him. Otherwise, I wouldn't have married this a jerk. <laughs> and, but he just got dark. Porn made him dark. <laughs> and then when he started getting this freedom, like, he's the nicest, wisest human who has his brain back. It's going to take some time and work. Just, just saying an idea. I already told you this one. Where are you on the lustometer scale? <laughs> the point of this one is get heart-centered accountability. Not, hey, uh, did you look at porn this week? No, good job. 
Hey, did you look at porn this week? No. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, uh, do better next time. <laughs> Waste of time, guys. Waste of time. Hey, how are you doing? I don't know. I don't talk about that. Talk about it. You are not an animal. I don't care how sexually focused you are. There is a reason you are running to what you're running toward. It is your heart is looking to be seen and known and loved. You're not an animal. So where are you on the listometer scale? What is porn? What is that girl? What is that boy? What is that food? What is whatever promising you? Be brave enough to ask and answer this. And then how can you get that need met in God-honoring and self-care-filled ways? These questions could change you. Pathways to freedom for those who have experienced trauma. I'm a big fan of counseling. My husband's a licensed therapist now. Uh, I have done, I really, uh, this last round of counseling, I did EMDR and IFS, but I also, which at the end of this session, we're going to do some like listening prayer type of situation, which I also think is helpful. But if you've got some like legit trauma stuff, get some care. And I'm sure there are people who are ready to engage both after, during the um, ministry time tonight and then as well as after today. So they're not going to drop kick you and be like, oh, thanks for sharing that. Have a nice life. They're going to really try and walk with you. Um, You can also, if you're interested in, my husband is the site director at Second Story Counseling in Knapp Corner. So he has 14 therapists under under him. They're all trauma focused. Also, Matt is really great at walking with people who work with have porn addiction. He's also really great at walking with people who wrestle with sexuality. Also, his waiting list is very long, but he has 14 therapists who work at his site. So if you're interested in that, I do respond to Instagram messages. So you guys can message me there or you can ask these guys here. Uh, so I'm not the source, <laughs> but if you're really curious about connecting with that source. So a big fan of therapy. Holy Spirit-empowered self-care. Here's what I mean by that. Because people will be like, oh, you just need a day to go get your nails done. Maybe. But if you're going to care for your tender heart and go get your nails done, here's what I dare you. Envision the Holy Spirit. Envision Jesus going with you. Just hang out with him. It's going to make it better. Spend time connecting your heart to the heart of Jesus. We're going to do some of that tonight. Okay, let's say, you know, I talked about that pinprick of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have some time where maybe you want to confess, but I'm very, uh, confess some sin. I'm real sensitive to times like these because sometimes we can start confessing personhood as opposed to sin, and that's not godly. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is shame. Shame is a monster. Let's talk about that. Toxic shame is the feeling you get when you sin, maybe even if you didn't, you're just tempted to sin, after, during, whatever, and it feels like Satan or somebody is like grabbing the back of your head and shoving it in the sidewalk and saying, you are worthless. That is not the Holy Spirit. That's that whole body self-hate. Like, you're a muggle good day. You're made in the image of God. 
You don't get, have to confess who you are is worthless. That's, that's not a thing. You are valuable. So it says who I am is worthless. It's from the enemy. It happens before, during, and after we sin. Or if we didn't, you're just tempted. And the enemy's like, what do you want to do? And then you're like, well, I already want to do it, and I'm already worthless, so I might as well do it. And then he's like, ha ha, you did what? <laughs> he's such a jerk. So that's toxic shame. Okay. But what's the difference? What's the, what's the feeling of feeling guilty or convicted? That's different. It's like a pinprick. And instead of you are worthless, it sounds like this. What you did was not worth it. It's never about your whole self. It's a specific thing. It's from God, and it happens only after we sin. God can't convict you of temptation. That's not a sin. And if you've already confessed things, you don't have to keep confessing. There's people who would come into my office when I was meeting with them for life coaching, and, and they come in, head down, and I'm like, oh, they looked at porn. Oh, oh, they did something. And, I was, and then I try to catch their eye. Hey, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Still here? Still love you? Hi, how are you doing? And then I'm like, okay, so what's happening? And I go, oh, well, I, oh, I slept with somebody. And I'm like, okay, so do you want to just confess it and just let's keep moving on? You're like, what? That's a thing? <laughs> the enemy makes us want to like, feel like we have to slice our wrists and like, pay some sort of penance and hate ourselves for a good long while. And sometimes we imperfect parents can make you feel that too. We could toss that along to you. And really, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You don't have to die for your sins. You don't have to bleed for your sins. Jesus already did the bleeding. So you get to, I'm just like, okay, you want to just confess that? You're like, I could just do that? Yeah, you could just do that. Okay, let's go to the Lord. So model that for your friends. Model that for your spouses. Model that for each other. Model that for yourself. What are you confessing? And do you know you can just say, I'm sorry, Lord. Thank you for taking this. But then there's something called godly shame. So Paul says, in 1 Corinthians, to the Corinthians, he says things like, I say this to shame you because the Corinthian church, they're like suing each other within the church in front of the watching world. And he's like, dudes, people are watching you. You look like just like the world. So here's what godly shame is. Now I'm going to put it out of Corinthians and now into uh, context today. So when I was wrestling in our marriage with leaving Matt, I, I had, in my mind, filed away reasons to leave. And it was like a big stack in my head. And I confessed this to Matt in my level of, like, really escaping. I didn't have someone on the side. I wasn't looking at porn. But just my mind was checked out in marriage. I was looking for reasons to exit. And I go to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And in that moment, it was real tense. <laughs> didn't feel good. It wasn't like the Disney sparkles of like, I'm doing the right thing. It was like, felt like my flesh was getting ripped off a little bit. But I'm trying to not go to self-hatred. So I'm fighting that on one front. I'm, I'm so sorry, Matt. I sinned against you. And then I looked at his face and his face was sad. And I sensed the spirit like, look at his face. He should feel sad because you wronged him. So godly shame, it helps us to feel the weight of our sins so we don't 
repeat it. It's like, ooh, I feel that conviction. I'm sorry, Lord. And it doesn't like, oh, I'm fine. So shall we keep going on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul asked that. No, no, no. May it never be. So it's like, ooh, that's, that's serious. We just read those verses out loud. That's serious. We don't have to hate ourselves. We can confess it, but let's not repeat that. So it's from God, and it can happen before we sin. Ooh, remember? <laughs> During or after we sin. Does this make sense, guys? This is important in confession, so we know what we're confessing. Okay, other pathways to freedom, and really this is for trauma, this is for porn, uh, whatever. Lament. I love lament. Lament is all over the Bible, but I define it as open-hearted, so you're not like, I hate you, God. It's like, God, I'm hurting. But it's open-hearted venting towards someone, capital S, you see that? You see I'm talking about Jesus there? You see that? You see, get that? Okay. Who can do something about it. So, okay, you ever have a pain in your life, and you call one friend, and you're like, oh my gosh, pain, this pain. And then they're like, oh, yeah, they respond, and you're like, oh, they didn't say enough swear words. (laughs) I mean, never swear. Or you're like, they didn't say enough. They didn't feel it with me enough. And you call another one, and you're like, not quite there. <laughs> There's no empathy like God's. And we see this all over the Psalms. At least a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament and imprecation. We're like David, like one second, he's like, oh Lord, you are my shepherd. And the next one, he's like, smash the baby's heads against the rocks. And you're like, okay, cray cray, back to Psalm 23, <laughs> where it's safe. <laughs> But he's not saying, God, like, actually do that. But he's taking his emotions and he's sifting them through God's hands. We can do that. And my ideal way to do that is, like, on the regs, not going to lie. I was crying on the way here because it's hard to be weak. It's hard. But I am, instead of picking up the phone and just seeing who can get me, although I long for that, who can understand me? There's people who can grasp it a bit, but there's no empathy like Emmanuel's. So are you willing to take the pain of the world, the pain in your heart, to him? We see, if you're still like a little anxious about this, we see this all over the Psalms. We see Jesus doing this before he goes to to the cross. He grieved. He didn't, like, I think I've envisioned Jesus going to the cross and just kind of like a robot, like, I'm going to die for the world. I don't feel things. Oh, he grieved it like crazy. And then he went. You can grieve. We just talked about that. So my kids don't like forgiving each other or saying I'm sorry because they're sinners. (laughs) didn't have to teach them how to sin and so I've been trying to figure out how to teach them what forgiveness is without being like false prophet to them and um, this is the best definition so I'll be like okay say sorry or I was wrong Ooh, they don't like they especially like don't like saying I was wrong (laughs) because they like I'm sorry and they're like they said it in a mean voice I was wrong and then, hey, will you, would you be willing to forgive them? 
And I say, you can take your time, but do you know what forgiveness is? No, there's six. (laughs) Forgiveness is saying, what you did to me was bad enough for Jesus to die for what you did. It's not saying that's fine. It's saying that was sin. And I'm giving it to Jesus to be the judge. Here's another way. Let's talk daggers. So when I do a forgiveness process with my clients and with myself, this is how I do it. I explain the following. You were made for Eden. You're made for perfect. And when people sin against you, it's like they stab you with daggers. They sin, 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 sin. And often in church world, what we do, instead of be like, ah, I was stabbed, that's lament. (laughs) We throw like a big moo-moo over all the daggers, and then we like come to church with all of our issues, and then we're like, hey, I hate the color of the carpet. And then you like bump into someone, and they like stab all your other wounds, and then you're like screaming about the carpet. Is this familiar to anyone? We don't actually process the fact that we've been wounded. And we're just like, I forgive you. I forgave him. I love him, my brother in Christ. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) So what I do, this is what I teach them. We got to rip off the (laughs) moo-moo. And sometimes, I mean, maybe that's tonight, you guys, is you rip off the moo-moo. Not really. Everybody leave their clothes on. But rip it off. (laughs) And you say, God, I've been stabbed. I've been wounded against. And so I have people, they write out these laments to God and I just like hang out and I just let them go nuts and like sometimes I'm like, oh man, that's a ton of swear words. Okay, we're gonna keep going, we're gonna keep going. God knows everything, it's good, it's been hiding in them. And then then I write down, as they're grieving, I write down specific sins. Okay, your mom... She neglected you. She didn't pursue you. She called you these names. I'm writing down sins because they're just vomiting all this pain from a specific person, a specific location. I'm writing down sins. Because why am I naming the specific sins? Because if you say, oh, I forgive my mom, like some sort of zombie who doesn't feel. Here's the thing. God can't forgive the way a person is. Well, it's just my mom. I forgive her. He can only forgive sin. So we have to be honest and name what the sin is. My mom neglected me. My mom did this. My brother, my ex-boyfriend, the church. Probably several lament sessions. And what I picture is I ask him to picture the cross and I say, okay, we're, sometimes I'm Again, weird. This is the context. Weird person alert. And so I say, where do you feel like that dagger is? It's in my arm. It's in my stomach. You don't have to do it like this. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pull it out with you. I'll do the motion. I was like, can you picture taking it out? Yeah. Feel the weight of that, what that's cost you. Yeah, I feel that. Can you give that to Jesus to die for? Because we can either moo-moo it or we can be like... <laughs> Stab back. And now you were sinning. You're not smart enough to judge people. 
and you're only hurting you're only hurting yourself more to stab back can you give it to Jesus and let him die for that and then after they get all those daggers out I say how did you sin as a response and they say well even if it's 1% they did 99% and you did 1 how did you sin as a response well I hated them that's sin too. <laughs> and they get, Jesus, I gave you that. I'm sorry. Said, did Jesus have to die equally for your 1% as he did there? Yeah. All right, let's picture Jesus dying and rising again. He has scars, but he's coming to you. Does he love you? I don't know how to describe it. I've done this practice. I've done several sessions of lament with my mom and my dad. <laughs> Other people who've hurt me. We all need to. My kids need to lament me, and the youngest is three. He's got to forgive me already. No perfect parents. No perfect people. I don't know how to tell you. It's just so powerful <laughs> to just name what is real. And guys, we have a God who is willing to name what is real. I just took an Old Testament class, and I am shocked at how the Bible is like, so here's Abraham, and then he did this, and then he like totally sold his wife out, and then he did this, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and Moses, dumb stuff. David, real idiot. <laughs> Me, joker. God's not like, oh, we got to shine this one up. He knows who we are. He remembers that we are dust. So can we just be real that our lives have some gunk in them? Let's shine some light on it, yeah? What am I doing? Eh, daggers. All right. So this is actually our last slide. And in a couple minutes... I like the band to come up, and I'm going to do a practice with you guys, but I'm first going to explain it. I'll point at you guys when it's really time, when it's go time. Okay. So in the next bit, we're going to do some ministry time, and um, I'm going to be hanging here. You're going to describe a little bit more about what ministry is, time is, or do I just, I'm just going to dive in. There's going to be people on the edges, yep. edges, that you can go and talk to. You can say anything. You can confess. You can not. You can cry. You can just say it just like prayer. You can just, whatevs. Journal. I'd be a journaler. That would be my thing. You want to just journal and chill with Jesus? Awesome. <laughs> but I would like you to consider the following. Is there something you need to confess without toxic shame? Is there something you need to grieve to God to just start ripping off that moo-moo? Is there something you need to begin to forgive by naming the sin? This was bad enough for Jesus to die for it. Or is there something you need to commit to and you need to tell someone tonight after you commit this to the Lord? You cannot. I've been saying this to all my clients recently who are like, I think I can manage X, Y, Z on my own. I was like, you can't. You literally cannot. So who are you going to talk to to help be in heart-centered accountability with you? Not the cop. You're not looking for a policeman to taboo buzzer you and you get it wrong. That's not going to last. Someone who's going to pursue your heart and you theirs. So to take the next practical stu step, heart-focused accountability, porn blockers. Maybe it is. Okay, I actually need to do that. Let's, okay, great. It's not going to be your savior, but it can be a big help. Therapy. I'm going to sign up for therapy. Breaking up for real this time. I don't know. I just felt like I was supposed to put that up there. <laughs> okay. So the next thing that I'm going to do, uh, so we can have, y'all can come up, is something called safe place prayer. 
Maybe some of you have done this. I talk about it in our book, An Impossible Marriage, and I do this with clients all the time. I've done this hundreds of times with hundreds of people. But I, it's always different and kind of the same because the same God is everywhere. It's real weird and amazing. Uh, but even if we could dim the lights a bit, that would be awesome too. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you guys, even if you want to spread out around the room, I'm going to have you get comfy and you're going to close your eyes. And you don't have to do it yet. But what I'm going to do um, is, and I'm going to have you, I'm just going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over your imaginations. And what we're going to do is we're going to use our imaginations to pray. People say that the imagination is the devil's playground, but that's garbage. Satan cannot create. He can only distort. God created your imagination. So I know of no better way than to use your imagination to hang out with Jesus. So what I'm going to do is pray and invite you and you don't have to do this. If you just want to take a nap at school, I'm not going to be offended. Uh, be cool if you join me. But what you're going to do is you're going to uh, ask the Lord to show you a place in your heart or show you a place in your mind's eye where you can feel safe and at rest with him. And I'll remind you of all of this, so don't worry. I'm just going to, I'm trying to preempt you. I'm, I'm aware of, of, it can be a little scary to go into new places and I'm very sensitive of trauma and blah, blah, blah. So this might be a place that you used to run away to as a kid to feel safe. This might be a favorite vacation spot. This might be an imaginary place that you've never been. But I want you to imagine a place where you can feel safe and at rest with God. And I'm going to ask some questions about what it looks like, what it feels like, and it feels it's very peaceful. And then when you're ready, I want you to ask the Lord in the quietness of your heart, Jesus, will you be with me here in this space? And we'll just wait. And if he, if you see or sense something awesome, and if you don't, you know what we get to do? We get to point to the word and say, I know you're always with me. So there's no pressure, okay? No pressure to have something show up. It's totally fine. You cannot fail. You got an A plus for showing up tonight. So, but if God chooses to show you something, if in the quietness of your heart he may show up like Jesus you've seen in pictures, he may show up like a lion or a lamb, he may show up in just a sense of his presence. I had one woman who I walked through with this just popped in my head who she couldn't picture Jesus because she had so much trauma with him, but she could picture his presence. And it was just the hug of her grandma who was the one safe person for her as a kid. 